Who's had a good day? Yeah. Um, welcome, if this is your first night tonight. Um, we're in for another awesome night and I'm just really excited about what I want to share with us all tonight. Um, as you know, last week I was rushing to get to a plane. I just, Kirk shared this this morning, but I just want to share this. It's just pure the goodness of God. So I was watching the time tick and I'm going, man, I've got to get on this plane. But anyway, by the time I got to the airport, thanks to the Wheatleys, uh, every green light we had going through the city and we get there to find the plane being delayed 25 minutes. <laughs> now the cool thing, that's great news. But what was even cooler is... Um, our Lily doesn't like it too much when I go away. And um, she'd been promised that she was going to come to the airport and see Dad off, and she wasn't going to get that privilege. But unbeknown to me, Danny was already coming to the airport with the girls. And so we are going to go, let's see if we can make this happen. And so we get to have about half an hour with my girls before I say goodbye to them. So, you know, as a child of his, he does really look after his own and blesses beyond measure when we serve and honour him and do things his way. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to go two hours tonight, but who knows? Because um, trying to get this out, it's just, I'm captivated by him. I'm captivated by the depth of who he is and his purposes for us as children. You know, like I, we sung the song, he parted the waves that they could enter into life. He tore the veil that you and I would not be hindered no longer by ourselves, that in Christ and in Christ's strength and in his power, it's fully possible for us to experience the greatest measure of life, the eternal life, which is Christ. He is the eternal life now, today. And you and I have been bought with a price for a heavenly, eternal reality. You know, he says, lift up your eyes off the earth, set your minds on the things above, no longer having your minds on the earth and see beyond the earth to see what is in the heavenlies that you would live differently on the earth. It truly is. It's a heavenly upward call, but it empowers the way we live now. And Part of tonight, and I sort of touched on it last week, as we looked at the framework that God gives for the building work, this building work. He wants to build you and I because we are the church. So just like this building took time to build, it started with a foundation. Then he added walls and beams and supports and pictures and framework. This is what you and I are to be like. We are a building in process. We're a house that's being built. It's a glorious house that's being built. So we have pillars of joy and pillars of love and pillars of grace and pillars of kindness, faithfulness, because these are the support structures that God builds into us because Christ is being formed in us. And it is for an eternal reality. And so the apostle, the apostolic gift, one of its main purposes, and we're going to look at this in the notes, is to bring into the earth, from heaven to earth, this reality of a heavenly call. Because it's been revealed it. You cannot receive anything that is not from heaven. You can't come up with it. You receive it. 
And so the apostle Jesus Christ came to earth to declare it. He then calls other people, men and women, with an apostolic call to keep declaring the same message that he brought. See, it's one and the same message. It's not two messages. It's one message throughout the entire word. It's the same message. So the message that Abraham got is the message that we're getting. Yes, they lived in different time slots, but it's the same message. That's trippy, eh? Isaiah saw Christ before Christ ever was, but he was. Because he was with God in the beginning. And he says, by his stripes, you are healed. Not you're going to be healed. You are healed. Why? Because he could see. So he saw what was in the future, but it was now. He looked into the invisible realm through the eyes of the Spirit, saw it, spoke it as it was. Not what's coming, what was, even though Christ was coming. I hope you can hear the clarity of what I just said, because it can be very confusing if you can't. You said it was, then you said it wasn't. It wasn't, then it was. You see why we need ears to hear the true word. Not just English words coming out of my mouth, but what I'm really saying behind the English words. Powerful, powerful reality. So let's open up our notes and let's get into this. Um, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, God has put eternity into the hearts of man. Wow. Every person, every single person, God has put into the heart of man this eternity, this, this knowing, the sense of I'm born for more than just. Every person. Why do you think people go looking for something to worship? Why do you think they have a desire to find answers beyond their own life? Because they know instinctively there's more to life than just life. They don't necessarily know what it is, where to find it, who it is in, but they know because God has put it there. Why would God put eternity in the heart of man? Because that's where man is going to find himself spending their eternity. Because this is just a temporary stay on earth. So right away before the inception of man, God puts that into man. So man would always look towards heaven. Set your mind on the things above, Colossians 1. Why? Because your life has been hidden in Christ. Do no longer look at the things of the earth. Get your eyes off the earth and onto me. Because you are to look down from heaven to earth, not be people from earth looking up to heaven. You're the people from heaven living on the earth, so you have sight and heart from heaven living on earth, not the other way around. You're no longer human. You're more than human. You're citizens of heaven. You're ambassadors from another realm, another reality. You started in the flesh and you started as mere human earthly beings, but no longer you are heavenly because you have heaven living in you. So think like heaven, see like heaven, hear like heaven, act like heaven. No longer slaves. I'm no longer slave to the flesh. I'm no longer a slave to the enemy's schemes. Why? Because I've been set free. I'm a child of God. And I'm a growing child of God, so I'm maturing. So I come to know who I am, my father, my father's ways. Why? Because eternity has been placed in my heart, and I'm going after what is innately in me. Powerful, isn't it? 
It's there to shaken you and stop you being shackled to the earth and anchored to the earth and anchored into other people, anchored into jobs and money. God does everything he needs us to come into, so he places it. So eternity has been placed in your heart. So then we have to discover the fulfillment of what that eternal plan is because it's for us. To live your life and not understand you were called for eternity would be a crying shame to one day wake up and realize it. To wake up and go, what just happened? I wasted 80 years of my life surviving and this was for me? The inheritance was for little old Greg Simnor and Greg Scully? Yes. Unbelievable. So God sends apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists. I love what Paul said to me this morning. I'd never seen it like this. This was cool. Who was with Jesus at the Mount Transfiguration? Elijah and who else? Elijah was a what? What was Moses? Apostle. He's a type of Christ. The apostle and the prophet turn up speaking a heavenly realm, heavenly reality. Apostles speak from heaven. They see from heaven and speak it into the earth. Why? So the church can follow behind the apostle and the prophet and be apostolic and prophetic in heart and nature. God has graced the apostle and the prophetic gifts to bring this reality into the earth. doesn't mean that other people can't get it as well. I'm not saying that, but they are graced. We looked at that last week. To set into flame the eternity that awaits that's now. The eternity is now. It's not the future. It's now. It's to receive the fullness now and live accordance to sight of the eternal. So with that in mind, in your notes, one of the major functions of the apostle, major functions of the apostle, which we looked at last week, is a gift from God. Is that they have been sent by God. Sent by God. It's not a good idea. You don't choose to be one of these giftings. Who was here this morning? Okay. You know what I read out about the apostle? They get smashed from pillar to post. Do you want to be that one? See, if you're not graced to be smashed from pillar to post, get out. Because God graces everything he gives. Why? So no one can take credit. (laughs) You can't take credit. You can't sit there and go, look at me. Because he knows he's graced you for that function. So with everything that's given, much is expected. So be careful what you ask for and what you want to be, because I tell you right now, you don't want to be what you think you want to be. You don't want to be it unless you're graced for it. It will kill you, eat you up, burn you, and spit you out. And that's just the church. (laughs) Isn't that what happened to Jesus? Anyway, so one of the most major functions of the apostle, I'm glad we can laugh, is that they have been sent by God to continue to declare God's end One of the major functions of the apostle 
is that they have been sent by God to continue to declare God's end, his conclusion for the church. So she is being built in accordance to it. You can't be built if you've never heard the message. Go and preach to the ends of the earth the message. The message of hope, the message of the promise. How can they hear unless someone goes and preaches? So he sends people with a calling, with an anointing, with a gracing to bring something to light. Okay, is that clear? All right, so what is this message? And I've just given you about five scriptures, and I'm not going to read them all just for time, but go and read them. What is this eternal perspective? These scriptures are just five. There's way more. They tell you what it is. So the first one is Ephesians. God gives you a physical typology of something that's spiritual. It's called a marriage covenant. Do you know the end ends in a marriage? The purpose is a marriage. It's not works first. God didn't create you so you could run around doing things for him. He doesn't need your help. We don't need to give him a hand. Think about it. I didn't marry Danielle for works. I married her to spend my life with her. And out of that comes things that we do. But I didn't marry her for that. God never created you and I for works. You see, that's our problem. We're so fleshly. We think, oh, by my works, I'll please him. He says, come to know me. Spend time with me. So the end is a marriage, but you've got to get this revealed. It's not enough if you just have a mental understanding. Trust me, it's not enough. It won't do anything. It's got to be a living conviction. The Holy Spirit literally has to pull down the scale so you can see it, receive it, and go, <gasps> and then turn and start living in accordance because you realize the whole thing is about a marriage covenant. And he says this at the end of that, after going through all those words, this mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. The mystery is great, guys. It's not a simple thing in the sense of it's great, it's powerful, it's a mystery. You cannot lead yourselves into the mysteries. So the Holy Spirit has to reveal the mystery. It no longer is a mystery, it's a known fact. And when that happens, guess what happens? When he reveals any truth, power comes into you to live out the truth. So all of a sudden, if there's stuff in your heart that comes flying out, and he comes in, and now you find yourself not loving a child or a parent or a grandparent or a wife more than him. Why? Because the revelation of his word has come in and set you free from that idol. Are you tracking with me? This is how powerful we go, how is that ever going to happen? There's no way I could love God more than this child. No, you can't. But when you receive the word of God through revelation, you better what happens. You can because all things are possible. So the thing that you look at that you think is impossible, it is with you, but it's fully possible with him. This beautiful child that was created through intimacy, 
They look like you. They sound like you, but they're not yours. They're his. And you have to be set free from them, whoever it is, whatever it is. And so the power of revelation comes and God says, guys, I created you for a marriage with me. Not with your husband, not with your wife, with me. Me first. I will not share my glory with anyone. It's me first. The whole story from start to finish to end to back is about a marriage covenant. It's about a promise, not a problem, you bunch of heathens and sinners. It's about a promise, you beautiful, cherished, beloved ones. Before the beginning of time, you are holy and blameless. Before the foundations of the earth, I created you for this purpose. But there was a little problem, but I fixed it. It was a little problem. We've blown it up out of proportion. We've taken the problem and gone boom. And taken the promise and gone eek. It's like we take his word, this beautiful word, and we go eek. And everyone's trying to nibble on crumbs. We're so back to front. So God has to send apostolic, prophetic ministry to start again at times because we've gone so lost and off course to redirect the church back to her original design. Look at the next one. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. Yes, it's in the Old Testament, which isn't really old. It's all living. Look in the middle, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them on their heart, and I will write it, and they will be the, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. He's talking to us all. Every single one of you he's talking to here. It's you and I. Everyone that has been chosen before the beginning of time, he's talking to. So he's talking to everyone. You have to see it in the spirit, not seeing everything in the flesh. We see two, it's one. We always see things in twos and threes when it's one. Jesus, Father, Spirit. How many gods are there? No, there's three. I just told you there's three. No, there's one. Can you see the one? But we see in twos. We do that and that. We go spirit and truth. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, I know, but it's the spirit of truth. Spirit is the word. Word is the spirit. Word is the truth. Truth is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the spirit. <laughs> Say that again. I pray that you would be what? Three, four, ten, one. Because I'm looking for one, her, my people, always been my people from the beginning of time. These people just came under a old covenant, which is really not an old covenant, by the way. But it is. What? And then Jesus comes and restores everything, which is a new covenant, but was already spoken before he was. What? You're messing with my head. Your head will hurt if you try and understand this thing in the mind, intellectually, in the flesh. Trust me, it'll hurt. You have to receive it and hear what I'm really saying, what God's saying. It's powerful when you hear the word, not words, the word, Jesus' version of himself. It births faith, the Bible says. What is faith? The evidence of knowing what's unseen. 
You have a knowledge, a confidence of something that is unseen, but it's seen to you. You're eating the stuff. You're eating a hamburger. You're eating KFC. You're eating food from the unseen. Jeremy said to me, where do you get your water from, man? Years ago, where are you getting your water? I want to get where you're getting your water from because I ain't getting your water. I said, come follow me. Let's walk together and let's talk. So where do you get your water from? What well? Jacob's or Christ? The man-made built well or the well? This is what the apostle does. She does. They come down and they scare everybody with the reality. Not because they're smart, because they've been brought into it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? To bring it to the church because it's for the church. We're called to be apostolic in heart and mind. It's powerful. It's an overcoming church. It doesn't move back. It just knows forward. It's one gear. Forward. It's exciting. This is what he's building here. It takes time. It takes time like any good thing to mature. It takes time. A wine takes time. You see, you get the gift. But you don't get the fruit for free. If you can hear what I'm saying. The gift is given, but the fruit of the Spirit is matured over time. He's dangerous, God, because he gives these gifts without maturity. Because he believes in us so much that we're going to do it his way. See, he's the full God. I wouldn't do it like that. I wouldn't do it like that. Why would you give gifts to immature kids? You know what happens when you give gifts to immature kids? Let's burn them. See, love hadn't been established in their hearts yet, so let's torch them, man. They're not giving us what we want. Let's torch them. Jesus is like, oh, man, there is a lot of work to be done here. But he knows the Spirit's coming to do a work in the church, not in a building. In you and I. And he sent the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago to build the church. Then he sends gifts to be partnered with the Spirit to build the church. Into what? An apostolic, prophetic, teacher, pastor, evangelistical church himself. The great mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not just a nice saying that we rattle off. The literal reality of the life of Jesus Christ being formed in you and I, that we live from that life, the eternal life. Can you hear that at least intellectually? If you can grasp what I just said, man, <laughs> you'll run for it with everything you got. Do you know that's what he's expecting? See, when you read this, there's a reality that screams, that grabs you. Is love being perfected in us, like 1 John 2 verse 5 says, because we keep the commandment? He says, you'll know the way they abide in me, because love, my love, is perfected in them. What did he say? Be perfect like my heavenly Father's perfect. Well, the Father's love. So if love is being perfected in you, what have you got in you? 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not just this, oh yeah, I received the love of the Father and I live as I've always lived. Or if I'm reviled against, I revile back. I'm talking about a love that's not of this earth. It's Christ in you and I, the hope of glory, that's able to love on offense. When it is persecuted, it loves on what's persecuting the enemy. It demonstrates the kingdom reality. Can you hear the enormity of the reality that I'm talking about? This was for you and I. This is not mere little men, infant stuff. This is PhD stuff, plus, 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 plus. And none of us can enter into it through our ability. Only him. And yet he promises us, so he sends apostles and prophets, primarily these giftings, to declare the purposes of God, for it is an eternal one, firstly, to have you living like that on the earth. It's glorious. It's radiant. It's so captivating. It will loosen you off you and into him and him and you. Whew, that was a mouthful. <laughs> Genesis 2. Man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 to 4. Guys, this one, Paul again is screaming something. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. He's saying I'm about to t- tell you something that you're not going to get, or you're about to think I'm a nut job. So please bear with me at what I'm about to say, okay? I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband. Betrothed you. Jewish custom, if you're betrothed, you're married. We have engagement. It's different. Okay? They have the ceremony. Ours is when we get married, it's official. When you're betrothed to Christ in Jewish custom, you're married to Christ. Already married. So you're married to him. Are you living married to Christ? Or do you have other people, things in your lives, hearts? He tells you, don't be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how he finishes. Because you've been led astray. He wants to present you what? As a pure virgin that has never been with the world. Can you hear the call from the beginning? It's the same of Ephesians. You were destined for a marriage. I betrothed you. I washed you in my blood. Why do you still have other lives, idols in your heart? Why are you loving things more than me? You're not worthy of me if you love them more than me. Unless you hate a father, a mother, a brother, you're not worthy of me. Can you hear what he's saying? Please tell me you can because it's massive. You've got to hear it. Because it's going to shake you out of apathy if you're in apathy. He's telling you his reality. But it's hard to see it until your eyes get open. So he sends apostles and prophets to declare his will, his purpose, in the hope that you'll hear and see what is being said. Because otherwise it just looks like words on a page. that looks too hard, impossible, don't understand that. That's a bit rough. He expects me to love him more than my son. Yes. And he's going to come and do a work in your heart and your mind to align that work. 
If you would submit and surrender and start asking, seeking him with all your heart, yes, he will. It's his will to. Why? Because you were not created to have children. You were created to be his child. His bride first. It's never been about this earth first. But man, have we taught it? Go have a great marriage, have great kids, great job, 10 steps of this, 10 steps of that, 10 steps of this, 10 steps of that. And the real purpose goes unnoticed by many. And he is awakening us to the real purpose, a heavenly purpose. And so he better have to start, and he does start shaking your foundation. But if it's in Christ, he can't shake himself. So everything that's shaking is not Christ. If you're getting shaken, it ain't Christ because Christ is the foundation and you can't shake him. So he has to shake you for you to see if your conclusion is wrong, your foundation is probably wrong. If the end point isn't right, you're probably not living for it, which means you may have started not in alignment to the end. So I have to send you people who have been on a journey who can see the end because you can't see it, declare it in the hope you can hear it and then receive it and accept it as the word of God, not the word of man. Oh, that's scriptural 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14. We did a whole series on it. Who can remember? Thanks, Tess. <laughs> it's been going out for eight years. I did an eight-part series on the Bride of Christ three or four years ago. Who heard it? Who received it? And then went, boom, boom. Life continues. So he sends crazy people, edgy people, people that come and they rub you like this. (laughs) What's that? Get off. Now I've been sent with a mission to declare the Father's way. Jesus was sent on a mission. And then Jesus gives his gifts to the church. He sends them with a mission to declare. Not because they're special, because he chose them for that function. Why? Don't ask me. Take it up with him. (laughs) So he gives us these scriptures, and Paul is going, guys, I'm afraid that you may have been deceived in your minds from the true purpose. That's what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians 11.4, he goes on, so that I may present you as a pure virgin. I've got a godly jealousy for you. It's a good jealousy. He longs to see the church come into what the church was birthed for. So he's going to fight the good fight, finish the race, declare it by faith, for the future is held and laid up for the church. He laid his life down for you and I to experience what he's writing. The reality in which he writes from. He saw her, knew her, knew his part in it. He was passionate. Why do you think he laid his life down? No one's going to give up their life and be whipped five times, 39 times, and be shipwrecked and stoned to death for nothing. There better be something bigger than that. Isn't mine to be pitied more than life if he's only living for this life? See, the Bible is telling you the stuff to awaken you to a reality that's right in front of you called God. So then he sends crazy people, men and women, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists to declare the will of God. And he goes on, he says, man, 
I'm afraid that you guys, you Corinthians, the church, your minds may have been led astray from the simplicity and the purity of a devotion to Christ. An abandonment, a wholeheartedness, a complete falling in love. You've been led astray from your minds. You've believed other things. The mind is the battlefield, yes. Jesus comes to renew the mind, yes. Through the power of his word, yes. Can you hear what he's saying? And then he says this. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. It's the 10 steps to this, and the 10 steps to that, and the 5 steps to this, and the 50 steps to that. It's happening in the last days. People will come and be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of this, lovers of that. When's the last days? Right now, started 2,000 years ago. They have a form of godliness, but they've got no... A form of godliness... But they got no oomph, no power. Oh, it's about words. No, it's about power. They're always learning but never coming into the true. But why? Because the true knowledge is going to be lived out. True knowledge is expressed through the evidence of true knowledge. Paul expressed his faith. He lived it. He didn't just write a book. He lived it. You and I are called to live it. Hey, Vera, just live it. That's the key word God gave Vera two years ago. Just live it, girl. It's hard. It's hard if you're trying to live it. This is what his word does, guys. His word will set you free from you. It's hard if you're trying to come into it. You can't. You've got to realize you're defeated. You are defeated. When you're defeated, you wave the white flag and you surrender. When you're not defeated, no white flag, you still fight. That's not why you're not in it. Because you haven't yet surrendered. You don't realize you're defeated. Isaiah saw how defeated he was. Oh my goodness, I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh! Then God says, that's okay. I'm glad you've seen your true state. Now here's who I'm calling you to be. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Cool, let's go. And then what did Isaiah do? Saw Jesus and preaches Jesus in the future. Because God opens his eyes because he washed his mouth and he washed his eyes and now I can see. See, apostles and prophets bring this reality with them. Once again, not because they're special, not because they're gifted, not because they figured it out, because they have been received a gracing from heaven to speak a reality into the earth, which is not earthly, it's not temporal, it is eternal, powerful and real. And it unhinges everybody that's attached, redirects them, and sends them to the earth to proclaim the same message. Because the message is one. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>